just uh, turned up at um, Willow Park Church this morning, and as you've stepped in here, uh, we've been on a journey uh, exploring the Lord's Prayer. And this is the final sort of moment of our Lord's Prayer as we step into it. And really what I want to do to bring it all together in the final moments of our gathering is I want to talk about this little phrase, is the power, the kingdom, and the glory. And I want to uh, rest on the glory. Yes, do take the uh, offering. Uh, uh, when the offering's late, uh, you have to give double. So, um, so do take the offering. I, uh, I'm grateful for that uh, for many reasons. Um, but thine is the power, the kingdom, and the glory. And the glory of God is presence. Let's remind ourselves. Matthew 6, verse 9. And after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now you'll notice in some of your Bibles that the King James Version, of course, has for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And other translations do not have it because the earliest of the earliest manuscripts don't actually have this phrase. But within a hundred years of, of, uh, of Jesus' life, this phrase was in many of the other manuf- manuscripts. And as uh, theologian um, uh, Nigel Wright writes about this subject, he said it's unthinkable in the context of the Jewish way of praying that the prayer did not end in a certain way. It's unthinkable. Uh, just ended, uh, uh, deliver us from evil. It needed to end, it would have ended, it had to have ended, and in a certain way. And of course it ends in this way, for thine is the power and the glory. Glory. What is glory? What is so important about glory? Glory is honour. Glory is beauty. Glory is majesty. Glory is the power that exists, that comes down. And in the ancient world, they understood all about glory in a very clear and powerful way. And what it's actually saying here is that all the glory, all the honour belongs in one place. And the glory and the honour belongs in God and with God alone. And that's so true. And yet there are so many competing kingdoms and, and uh, principalities and empires that compete for glory, to be the greatest, to live the longest, to rule and succeed. And of course it goes back to this very moment in those days of Caesar Augustus issued a decree, a census census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now you usually see this verse at Christmas, we read it at Christmas. But I want you to notice that here, Caesar Augustus. That word Augustus means the father of the nation. 
And at this very time, this Caesar Augustus lifted his finger. He made the decree from Rome, which was about a million people lived in Rome at the time. And he made this decree census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Power. What glory. Caesar Augustus himself had been ruling the Roman Empire for 25 years. He knew about glory. In fact, he is seen as the man that brought glory back to the Roman Empire. It is said of Caesar Augustus that Rome was a city of rock, but under Caesar Augustus, Rome became a city of marble. He entertained the uh, masses with circuses and the arena and also fed them grain. He built it on games and grain. He developed Rome with its own feel, with its great identity. Rome had been battling for 200 years with civil war. His uncle before him, Julius Caesar, had been stabbed to death right there in the, um, in the Roman Senate. But, but you see, Caesar Augustus had one thing in his mind. He had the glory of who he was and the glory of Rome in his mind. He was a dictator and he was a leader and all that mattered to him was glory and the glory of Rome and his life. He changed his name from, from Octavia to Augustus. Octavia was a ruthless, murdering, killing general, nephew of Caesar. He fought Mark Antony, if you know a little bit of your history. He murdered Cicero. He took over the Republic and became the dictator and then spun a story that Rome is the greatest, Rome is magnificent, Rome is glorious, Rome will live forever. I am as a God amongst you, I am Caesar Augustus. He was that one that stepped out, he even commissioned poets like Virgil. And Virgil wrote that great prophetic poet about how in the great darkness there would come a leader who would rule an empire and this empire would reign from the Black Sea to Britain, as it were. This empire would be forever and it would live forever and it would be glorious. And Caesar Augustus says, I am that man. This is that empire. It will reign forever. I am directly related to the god Zeus and I have come now with my empire to change the world. (laughs) There's a problem with that. And what is the problem? A group of angels turned up to a group of shepherds and they knew what real glory is. See, real glory isn't lies. Real glory isn't the Roman Empire. Real glory isn't spin. Real glory is not getting the poets of Rome to write about you and tell how wonderful you are. No, real glory is when you're a shepherd in the middle of a pasture, in the middle of the darkness, and the sky lights up and angels appear. And they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth and peace to those whom his favor rests. 
Augustus, you may think you know about glory and you may believe you're descended from Jupiter, from Zeus. You may believe that your empire will reign forever and ever from the Black Sea to Britain. But let me tell you something. You've lifted your finger. A little couple have made their way towards a place called Bethlehem. And in that place, the greatest moment in history will take place. The most glorious moment in history. When God gives his son to the world. Augustus, you should be afraid. You should be very afraid. Because there's a ruler who carries true glory with him. And he's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. His kingdom is not built on lies and killing and murder. His kingdom is built on his righteousness, his holiness, and his salvation. That's the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord that rests. The glory of the Lord You see, Virgil may have prophesied that this great leader would come. The great poems and epics. But you should be aware (laughs) that Bethlehem, you are small amongst the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. And he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace. Don't you love that? See, this is the true moment. That God will be our peace. Two competing kingdoms, always two competing kingdoms for glory. For the glory of themselves or the glory of God. And yet Augustine's glory was nothing compared to the glory that there is in Christ Jesus. The glory that exists within this prayer. The glory of who Christ is and the difference that he makes. See, you know how we can make rooms look lovely, don't we? My wife's amazing at this. She can take our little, a little lounge and she lights the candles and she puts the lighting just right. And in the evening, there's those little nice shadows and on the wall and she lights the, the candles. And we have beautiful candles. We go to a distant country where we purchase these candles. It's called the land of Ikea. And, and we bring these candles and she, lovely. And we sit there in the evening and we see the candles flickering. You make your house look gorgeous. All the shapes and all the colors and all the loveliness. And that's where this illustration ends. Uh, but it's wonderful. 
And see, this is what Augustus, this is what the world does, this is what emperors do, this is what dictators do. They bring their little light, they organize it, and they make your room look nice and comfortable and cozy and warm. And that's their glory. But that glory is nothing compared to the arrival and the arising and the power of the glory of God when God enters the world. It's nothing compared. You see, the real glory is this. God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. He, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. See, if you want to understand glory, and it's a hard concept to get our heads around often. Because the glory used to fall in the temple, in the tabernacle. It was called the Shekinah glory. Glory at times was visible. It shone from the face of Moses because he'd been with the presence of the Lord. The glory was present, the psalmist says, and uses the term glory 50 times about the glory of the Lord as the God's sword moves across the heavens. The glory of the Lord that, that, uh, that is in the thunder and the lightning. The glory of the Lord that arrives upon the earth. The glory of the Lord was shown when a baby was born in a manger. The glory of the Lord was shown when Jesus was on the transfiguration. The glory of the Lord was shown when on the third day he rose victorious from the grave. And the glory of the Lord was shown when, when he ascended up into heaven and the glory the glory of the Lord will be shown again when the trumpet sounds and the heavens part and God's kingdom comes to this earth and puts all things right. That is the glory of the Lord. But if you want to understand the real reflection of God the Father, then look at Jesus. Jesus is the representation of the glory of the Lord. Jesus. And when we come to pray the Lord's Prayer, what we are really praying is everything Jesus is and was and will be. See, Jesus is the representation of our Father who art in heaven. See, Jesus is the coming of the kingdom and the kingdom that dwells amongst us. He lived out the kingdom. He showed us the kingdom. He revealed the kingdom at work in the world. See, Jesus, Jesus is our bread. He's our bread of life. He meets our stomach and he meets our soul. He is See, he is that. Jesus himself is forgiveness. Forgiveness that comes and frees us 
and touches us. Jesus is the one who ultimately delivers us from all evil. Jesus is the one that delivers us from sin. He's the one that delivers us from darkness. He's the one that delivers us from evil. And he's the one, as Dave so beautifully shared in his testimony, delivers us from the fear and the wretchedness of death. The glory of God is in the resurrection and we will live forever because Christ lives forever. That's the glory of the Lord. Thine is the power. (laughs) The glory forever and ever. And when we look at him, see the Lord's prayer in all its glory is our mission and our commission. The Lord's prayer is the incarnation of all that God is and is to us and how he comes to us. Jesus embodied the Lord's prayer. We are on mission and my mission is to live the Lord's prayer. 57 words that have changed the world. I experience the empowerment and the confidence because I am part of the royal family now. I'm part of that glory. Oh, Augustus had daughters and granddaughters and he had his family. In fact, he, he condemned his daughter because of her, her activities with adultery and problems and sent her to an island to be banished because of all the trouble she was causing against Roman values and problems. It's quite ironic. But you and I, we are adopted sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. And that's why we pray our Father. And we have that commitment that is present. So how do we engage with this glory, this Shekinah? Remember Exodus 34. Moses had been fasting. He goes up onto the mountain and he meets with the Lord. And the Lord comes to him and he talks to the Lord as a man speaketh, it says, to his friend. And then he comes down from the mountain and the people are amazed because he's carrying the tablets. And as he comes down from the mountain, his face shone because of the glory of the Lord. Can I say, as we finish this prayer series off, that the more time you spend with the Lord in his presence, the more time you're with him. And one of the Hebrew words for glory is is the resting of his presence upon a human body. That the more time that we spend talking to the Lord as a man speaks to his friend, the more our life is being transformed. What does Paul write? We have the hope of glory that lives within us. And the more you spend in the presence of the Lord, 
the more intimacy that grows, the more your prayer life develops, the closer you come to God himself. That is where the glory of the Lord is for lives. And it reflects through our face. It reflects through our life. It drives out all fear. His glory comes and rests on us. It is an abstract idea. But it's a beautiful thing. Because I know, putting it clearly, the time I commune with Jesus, I experience his glory. And that affects all that I am. It affects the way that I am. It affects the way that I live. And what a privilege that we can have the glory of God in us for the hope of glory and resting on us. May each one of us take time as we pray the Lord's Prayer to ask, Lord, let your glory shine through me. Let me reflect your glory in my relationships, in my friendships, in my home, in my workplace, let me reflect the face of the glorious Lord Jesus Christ in my life. I'd never want to give my life over to the empires of this world, to the glory of this world. I want it to reflect the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's stand together. As we prepare to sing for a moment, let's bow our heads. Just ask yourself a question. How am I reflecting God's glory in my life, in my words, in my actions? We're at the end of this series. But maybe listening to Dave, you know that it's time for you to change kingdoms. It's time for you to go in a different direction. Dave found Christ on the beach of Green Bay. You can find Christ's glory right here, right now. Or maybe you've wandered so far from God that you are no longer reflecting him, but this morning you want to get right with God. Maybe say this prayer with me, quietly to yourself. Dear Lord Jesus, This morning I know that I'm a sinner and I am sorry and I ask you to forgive me and come into my life and change me. As you gave yourself for me upon the cross, I give myself to you, to your kingdom, to your way. I make you Lord of my life. 
And this morning, I come back to you. In Jesus' name. As every head's bowed and maybe Christians, you're just engaging with the thought that I want my life to reflect the glory of Jesus. But if you're getting right with God this morning or becoming a Christian, just slip your hand up. And I'm not going to embarrass you, but you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to come to Christ this morning. I'm getting right with God. Lift your hand up right now if that's you. God bless you. Anybody else? Getting right with God in the balcony. God bless you. Coming back to Christ, His glory and His presence. Father, I pray for those that you're speaking to. I pray for all of us at the end of this Lord's Prayer series. Lord, I ask that we may live according to your kingdom. We may walk out of this church knowing that we are free from fear. We are free from condemnation. We are free from death. We are free from the lies and the tyranny of a global empire. And that we are children sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May your glory rest upon each of us heavily. And may we speak to you as a man speaks to a friend. And may we come down from the mountain reflecting God's presence in our life because of that intimate relationship we have with you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.